I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice, cause we're already. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 692, Rescue, Chip and Jailed, Rangers, something or other. Sure. Yeah. So. I, it, it, I, yeah, I don't, is the movie just called Rescue Rangers? I think it's I think. Chip and Dale. That was the show. Rescue but... Rangers. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't which sure. they should not have put Rescue Rangers in the title of this film. Oh, why is that? If you grew up watching Rescue Rangers, you might accidentally think this movie's going to have something to do with the Rescue Rangers. Like, <laughs> like I, if I loved Rescue Rangers, and I mean, I was like 45 when that was on TV. So, but if I loved Rescue 45. Rangers, something, thereabouts. 35. And, uh, but if I loved Rescue Rangers and I went to this movie, I would have thought that like, oh, I'm going to get some sort of a yeah. Rescue Rangers movie. And... And that is not what this is. I see. We'll get into it. We'll but get, I, I yeah. do think there are some clever things. Surrounding oh, there, that, there are lots of clever things in the movie, but I just think that maybe yeah. that shouldn't have been the title of it's the It's interesting. Film. Yeah. I yeah. Can see that. So what anyway, if they called before, it Chippendale Real Life Rescue Rangers. How would that have been? Nope. Now I'm going to think it's a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> the real, the yeah. real Chippendales. Like of, they're, they, oh, no. they've teamed up with like the, the, the forest rangers and. <laughs> Grand Canyon or and something. The Power Rangers. Yeah. I mean, the way things are going with the metaverses and multiverses. Why not? Any Rangers. Yeah. Mm. So uh, before we dig in, let's uh, let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And we have a guest joining us today from Nostalgia Cast, Darren Lundberg. Hey, Darren. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? 
Doing good. Yeah. We're we're always doing good when Joe's not here. So, <laughs> well, you are. You don't have to do the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Somehow I've avoided that. Yeah. They had me do it like twice, and it was so bad. It was like never again. Tom was like, "All right, I will totally memorize this." <clears throat> Wikipedia.com. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's like the first time I did okay because there was a thorough plot synopsis on Wikipedia. Oh right. And the next time it was one of those ones where it the was one a, sentence. The one sentence. It's a movie nobody cares about and they were just like two people met and fell in love and i'm just like well crap and so <laughs> but uh uh so uh before we kick everything off shameless plugs don't forget we're available on apple podcast spotify google podcast wherever you get your podcasts you can find us while you're there be sure and uh, follow us so you never miss an episode maybe leave us a review uh, that's always uh appreciated you can also find us on facebook facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page join the group the group has been called the League of Show Sharers because we're hoping you'll share an episode. And people who were kind enough to share an episode this week include Julianne Jordan, Ralph Tribble, Librarian Cynthia, Glenn Cougar Mellenbrewer, Brendan McGuckin, uh, Travis Tewitt, Lane Levanway, Laura Connolly Quiddick, Heather Sachs, Chris Williams, Lynn Cooper, Spoiler Piece Theater, Kevin Brackett, because he wasn't on last week's episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> navigating that uh, Brad Hyen role. Uh, B. Garner, Cinema Recall, Nguyen Lee. Ronnie Castle, In Session Film, Ryan Terry from the Forza Crowd Podcast, Minorities Report, Binge Movies, Feel and Film, Vertigay 314, Geek to Me Radio, and Mike, Mike, and Oscar. So thank you very much, uh, guys and gals, and all points in between, for sharing the episode. We greatly appreciate it. And finally, don't forget, we do have a Patreon. If sharing an episode isn't enough for you and you just feel compelled to help out a little bit more, we feel compelled to let you. It's uh, patreon.com slash real spoilers. We're for five bucks a month. You get all sorts of bonus content, and you get liked a little extra. And uh, lately, the last couple of Patreon series have been between Joe and Matt F. Bosler, and yes. they are a riot. So seriously, if you're considering supporting the show, getting onto the Patreon, there's a lot of bonus stuff with, with me and Joe going back and doing movie commentaries and all this stuff over the years. But this latest stuff they're doing, and if you've heard any of the episodes lately, like Multiverse of Madness had Matt F. Bosler on there. Yeah. He's he's just got a, a completely different style of humor that is so hilarious and, and out there. And so they've been watching all these different horror movies. And so lately it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And there's four episodes full of them figuring out the timelines. And that's one of those with all the reboots and the requels. But they erase things. Yeah. They put things back together. So uh, anyway, there's all that. Uh, Chippendale. So speaking of nostalgia casts of sorts uh let's let our guests go first what is your relationship if anything with chippendale slash and or rescue rangers well i was asking my wife about it because i i remember what was it like darkwing duck like mm -hmm. a block of them that they had the yeah. saturday morning and they there's some homage tales darkwing duck mm -hmm. gargoyles maybe was i think that them. was one yeah, yeah yeah but it's yeah that saturday morning lineup and and uh it was one of those well no it was an afternoon block it, it ran in the afternoons on local syndicate oh, like, but they but they they redid them but then they like moved them they were also part of the saturday morning yeah i think it was living in both spaces yeah, some exactly. but they but they were afternoon shows that mm -hmm. you know they had this block of car cartoons in the afternoon on wb yeah and that's you know because like that's where also animaniacs was mm -hmm. stuff right. like that so I but this to. wasn't but but so this was to compete with wb you're saying i think so this is disney so yeah but i all... think but it was it was syndicated because i don't they didn't own abc yet oh so okay i see what you're saying so yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. was a syndicated package okay. that was sold and a lot of i think a lot of 
places would buy gotcha. both. Okay. Yeah, so it would be on the afternoons or, you know, like Transformers or He-Man or like all those cartoons they would play in the afternoon or they'd play Saturday morning. So it was just all over, just depending on, I guess, the syndication. But as far as Chip and Joe goes, I'm, I don't, I didn't watch it religiously, but I'm familiar enough that I know all the characters' names. Okay. And it was kind of a rush seeing them in, in the, you know, like an endorphin kind of build, kind of watching them in the, in the movie here. But I, it's nice having Disney Plus because as soon as the movie ends, it recommends Chip and Tails Rescue Rangers as a cartoon. <laughs> so we switched over to that and we watched a few episodes, especially the one that, uh, I can't remember the cop character, um, mentions. Um, yeah, Ellie, the yeah, Ellie. Like so, we cop, watched yeah. that one. We watched a few others, and so it was just fun um, doing all that. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember specific episodes. I just remember that it was on. It was part of my childhood, and when it was on, and there was nothing else to watch. I did catch a few of those. So I looked up the hi- the history of this. So it's yeah. it started as a Disney Channel show, and then uh, and then it it entered national syndication. It, to- it aired in afternoons alongside uh, Ducktales. Uh, and that would have been on Fox on the on Fox, okay. yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then you had Tailspin, mm-hmm. which was based on Jungle Book characters, yep. and it, that was the Disney afternoon lineup. So with Rescue Rangers, and you watch the episode, so basically it's like a twenty-two minute show, and every episode was self-contained, right? They didn't really have plots that carried forward. I mean, it was just like a there was some kind of a mystery or someone they were trying to get to the bottom of some kind of a, a mystery or rescue someone and then it was over right it was just like a really quick little story from what you watched Darren? yeah just little jokes and, things. and obviously the character like development but not really development but the character like quirks and stuff would carry over but yeah it wasn't yeah. really there was no like long i guess there was one episode i can't remember what it was called but it was like six parts maybe that was the maybe oh, that so was sometimes the they did yeah yeah okay so really with this movie, there, what I really like about it, and I know Tom was touching on, like, if you're going to say this is a Rescue Rangers movie, it's not really like you're taking a 20-minute Rescue Rangers episode or that six-part, you know, six of the episodes and putting them together and making a movie on their adventures. It's really a jumping-off point. Yeah. But I think what's really clever about it is this world, which is very much in like a spiritual successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Absolutely. Where you've got tunes yeah. in the real world. It's a live action animated hybrid. And what I really liked is that all the tunes in the real world are like working employees. They're actors. Right. So so the personalities that we know them as is not the personality yeah. that they or are not the personalities that they actually possess. Yeah. And so yeah. Chip and Dale are real real chipmunks in this world but they well, they're pl- real animated chipmunks they're still cartoons well right right right. but yeah. i mean they're they're not just characters in a the show they right. they exist chip and dale are and, like they don't talk like that because that's a shtick yeah in, in the same way that like i don't know when you meet bobcat goldthwaite he doesn't <laughs> really talk like that right right or larry the cable guy <laughs> yeah right? that's a character uh cool. sorry to break it to anyone who's yeah. a big larry the cable guy fan so so I'm chip pretty so, sure they don't listen to us <laughs> <laughs> So I really like the fact that they took Chip and Dale as as these as these actors, these cartoon actors were on this famous TV show Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and then stuff happened that they they parted ways and went about their lives and grew up in different directions. But that's really the most Rescue Rangers you get, right? So yeah. it's like they were on this show together and then the band broke up and they went their separate ways. So in 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 the way that Tom was saying, yes, it's like yeah, you're not really getting 
a film adaptation of the show. But on the other hand, I think that's really clever the way they made all the tunes actors, the way that they made it like these TV shows really existed, which means all these other movies. When you're talking about the Disney, the different Disney movies we see throughout the film, those are movies and the stars of them like are human actors or in human live action movies. Right. Those tunes are real actors in those movies. So I thought it was a clever way to bring in real world stuff, but explain how they exist in a movie that we're watching. And, you know, they're all movies. I like the premise of it. Like, yeah. I I just think that, yeah, I think the title is a little misleading. But yeah. The, you know. But, you know, in the end, I think it kind of comes back around, though, because the mystery and the adventure they go on is kind of like a Chippendale Rescue Rangers mystery. I mean, yeah. they're trying to solve who's kidnapping their friends. And there's a bad guy who literally becomes toward the end. He literally becomes the bad guy from the TV series. That cat is the bad guy from the show. That and cat, when. Yeah. Yeah, and when whenever they uh, whenever he goes through the machine, because if you've if you've seen the trailer or seen the stills, you'll notice that one of the chipmunks is a two D animation, one yeah. is a CG animation that looks kind of like the Alvin and the Chipmunks live action. Yeah, uh, with Jason Lee that one, and so the reason they do that is there's CGI surgery that they can have. And so later on in the movie, the bad guy is going to go through this machine and they're going to get all these different parts like a Wreck-It Ralph arm and a whatever, a different leg from a different character and this big amalgam. And the head is the bad guy cat from the Rescue Rangers show, if you didn't pick up on that. So, no, I didn't. I was just like, that's supposed to be Puss in Boots? Right? Like, no, I, that's <laughs> like that is the bad guy yeah. from, from the show. So, so it's funny that it doesn't start off as being an adaptation and they are just actors, but in a way it does turn into an episode of Rescue Rangers without you really thinking about it too much they are going on this adventure they face the bad guy that they had to face in their show and all that stuff so i do think it was really clever and fresh the take on what they did with it and this movie some people are really cynical about it and i want to hear where you guys land i've got a lot of people online that are kind of giving it backlash and saying is this all we're doing now is every movie just references and nostalgia and i do think that's too cynical of a take from my perspective i think a lot of love went into this movie i think the the writer and director of the film and uh this is two-thirds of the lonely island it's right akiva schaffer is the director and, and co-writer and uh, so i guess it wasn't the third that writes songs oh that's kind of funny i think they like, all write songs but i yeah, just it's not like a, i was really caught off guard because i knew it was you know lonely island adjacent that there was really no songs no and just the one the which, one song or, the whole point of the song is that it's not good yeah right? but but it was it's so Lonely Island in spirit, too, though, yeah. because Lonely Island, their songs always flip the concept on its head, right? Right. There's no straight up Lonely Island songs. They're doing a song and it's catchy and it's got a beat and then it goes off the rails and it's crazy, right? right. And so, like, you'll, they're, you know, they'll be, you know, I walked into a bar and did whatever. And then all of a sudden it's the jizz in my pants song. Right. You don't expect that. It comes out <laughs> of left field. And so. Uh, no, if you expected it, you, you wouldn't be doing it. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's so, the whole that's point it, of yeah, jizz in your right? pants. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've got the Lonely Island crew here and they're very clever it's so akiva is the director and he he directs most of their films that that the lonely island works on so pop star hot rod um and then all their shorts he's mostly the director of all the the snl uh digital shorts yeah and then uh andy samberg of course uh plays dale and uh uh what's his face john mulaney is chip which doesn't have to do with Lonely Island, but those are the main people involved with it. But so, he was an SNL writer. Yeah, exactly. So they, was, were all, he, they were all together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so you've got this pedigree of people that are really funny, 
really clever and they're not making stuff like if you if you know the lonely island if you've seen those movies i talked about they don't make cash grab movies they don't just make like they're not just guns for hire they started i mean the lonely island started as one of the original youtubers yeah they were youtubers and uh that's how they got onto snl and the digital shorts were basically versions of their youtube comedy videos that they made together and so these guys aren't just doing cash grabs they've all got plenty of money they're doing projects that they want to do and i think a lot of love went into this if you see how much loving homage there is to different styles of animation and they're pulling in 2d and stop motion animation and claymation and uh you know cgi which is really detailed and they're poking fun and making jokes about like deep cuts about different things in the industry everything from the the glassy beowulf eyes the dead eyes and yeah <laughs> and uh you know and, and, and they're just poking fun at all these different things that work didn't work in the industry so I think the people saying, I mean, I, I can't just blanket statement all of it, but I think for the most part, based on the comments, I'm thinking people saw it, didn't watch it and go, oh, it's just a cheap meta cash grab. Because if you watch the film, there is a lot of heart, I think, into it and a lot of homage. So I don't know. Where, where did you guys land? I guess, Tom, first of all. I thought it was clever. I thought it was cute. I didn't think it was very funny. And I, I, I didn't laugh very much during the movie. I just there was spent a lot of time going, well, that's clever. And But you didn't even... I, even at the the shock of I can't believe Disney let them make this movie like you didn't laugh in like a nervous kind of a I mean I like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie I can't believe Disney let them do yeah there, there's a lot um I mean it's it is definitely like probably the ballsiest Disney movie ever made that's exactly what I said I've yeah. never seen a Disney proper like not Buena Vista whatever I right. said this is the ballsiest Disney proper movie they've ever made with their IP I yeah. cannot believe they let them do the things I with mean they took one of their, their one of their main legendary characters and made him a straight up villain. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I got to, I give him credit for that, but I just, yeah, like I just thought I didn't laugh very much in the movie. Okay. I, and it was almost like they thought the concept was enough to make me laugh. There weren't actual jokes that went along with it for the most part. Okay. It, it wasn't like they were telling jokes that I was like, that's not a funny joke. It was just right. kind of like, I don't know. I felt like it needed to get punched up. Also, I didn't think John Mulaney was very good. Really? I thought he was really bad. Oh, I, okay. I know this sounds weird to say for a Chippendale movie, but when it came time for there to be the dramatic moments, like yeah. he was really bad at it. I felt like he threw away a lot of lines yeah. like that could have been funnier. And I could I think John Mulaney's hilarious. I think he's one of the best stand ups working, but I just did not think he was very good in this movie. Interesting. Okay. I okay. I'll. I mean, I have a little bit of a different thought. But Darren, what was your overall take on the concept of this film? Well, I liked it. I think I was writing to you that I, the parts that I laughed at, especially the part where all the Seth Rogen characters pop up on screen, and <laughs> I, I laughed yeah. really, really hard at that. And I think Kevin, I wrote to you like it's telling that I laughed more at the little in jokes than anything to do with the actual plotting. But the plot is so. Cool. I think to your point, the plot really the plot is isn't pretty, in joke. Yeah, and it's yeah. just so basic that really the movie does rely on the gags. If you took out all the gags, I mean, the plot is yeah, just like this guy kidnapped. Well, I mean, there's a little bit more than that, but I, but once you get past the plot, like here's the plot real quick. We'll just say here's the plot synopsis: right. Chip and Dale are kids. They meet each other. They grow up. They're on TV shows together. They do rescue rangers. 
Dale is sick of being the goofball character getting hit on the head. So he takes another job and Chip lets him walk away. They grow apart. None of their careers work out and they're in the real world. And then their friend Monty from the Rescue Rangers show is kidnapped. And we find out that the bad guy, whoever is in charge of this, which ends up being Peter Pan, the Peter Pan from the classic Disney animated movie, is kidnapping famous cartoon characters changing their like removing their mouths and changing their bodies different ways and making bootleg videos so that they can sell them like almost like those asylum knockoff like the ones i make fun of where i was like it's not it's not the lion king but your grandma doesn't know that right right (laughs) yeah yeah, it's uh transmorphers right transformers and so it's a totally ridiculous idea. I could not believe that's a part that had me laughing out loud when they said, when they showed Flounder getting kidnapped, his mouth erased, and then giving him like goofy eyes and putting him on the DVD cover of the smelly fish lady or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was laughing hysterically because I could not believe Disney let them take their IP, their famous Disney Renaissance, like their yeah. money makers. And let them do these things with it. Like to me, that was so funny that it existed. I couldn't believe that <laughs> that DreamWorks let them. Yeah. Now that's my question. I so this movie, they were very tight lipped about it. There weren't a lot of interviews, and any interviews that I heard were very vague about it. Yeah. Purposefully, and I'm glad because it sucks. This movie came out on Friday and the entire internet was just videos and screenshots in the movie. And I'm like, can you not let people just discover? Yeah. Like, I know that's the day and age we live in. I'm gonna sound a million years old because that's what kids do. They TikTok what they're watching and put it on. But I don't know, man. When I was watching it again, I was cracking up and in disbelief. And now everyone that sees it, if they waited more than a day, they're going to be seeing it because they know a lot of the gags, right? And so anyway, but I could not believe they let them do this. And my question, because of the interviews were so vague that they were doing, um, is this a parody type situation or a satire? Because, you know, South Park, South Park makes fun of everyone. They put just, I think a season ago, they put Mickey Mouse and the Avengers and all that in there and they're making fun of them and it does not put them in a good light. They make Mickey into like an evil villain who's killing people and cursing and all that, but they're not getting Disney's permission. It's a commentary. It's a satire. So with this movie, I thought about it. And since we spoil, that's what we do. Don't listen any further if you don't want to know these gags, but like Ugly Sonic. Yeah. Okay. I'm of two minds. One, yeah, you're in a huge Disney movie that millions of people are going to see. You're putting a character in there for free. I'm sure that they don't have to pay or anything. Okay. But then you're basically making fun of their attempt to make a Sonic movie, and you're calling the character straight up on his posters at Comic-Con Ugly Sonic. So I'm like, would they sign off on that? And then my question is, do they need to sign off on it? Because that's a public thing that happened. Ugly Sonic came out. Right. It changed the movie the way they animated it. Does Disney need permission at that point? Boy, I don't know. I I get the argument you're making, and I I did wonder the same thing. But I I think at the end of the day, they probably do. Like yeah, that's you know, because I heard at early test screenings of this that there were some different plot uh, things. There, I'm in some other groups, and some people are in LA, and they've seen these screenings. Mm-hmm. And uh, two things that changed. Well, one changed with Peter Pan's story. That doesn't really matter. But the second was they said SpongeBob was one of those uh, Frankenstein monsters at the end that they save. Right. And we don't see SpongeBob. And I wonder if Nickelodeon was like, that's a step too far. That's our, I mean, what does Nickelodeon have now besides new shows that have one season and they get canceled? Right. SpongeBob is their guy. Yeah. And I wonder if they could. Patrick, like you see his bottoms coming out of the the cars. 
And Squid, oh, that's right. okay. And Squidward, his name is on the Hollywood. Yeah, you see his name on the on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Star, but you never yeah. see anything yeah. with SpongeBob, and yeah. he was going to be some kind of Frankenstein thing. And I just wonder if that was didn't get clearance. So I mean, maybe or they do. did they decide, or maybe they decided to hold back on it, and he's going to if they get a second one. <laughs> He's got a bigger role. That's interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the legalities. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it would be a dangerous game for Disney to, to play like, oh, I can pull in your characters and call it parody. Right. Because then what else could they do? Because, yeah. well, because people go, well, okay, well, now we're going to do it to you. Yeah. And when we get to court, we get to point to this movie mm-hmm. and say, but you you can't have it both ways. That's a great point. So I, I tend to think that even if they didn't need to, they probably did. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, so maybe they did get the approved one. I got to wonder too. So Ben Schwartz is one of my favorite comedians. He's a Disney guy. He he was the voice of of uh, Louis Louis. I don't know the blue one Louis. Yeah. I think in Ducktales the the reboot. Right. And he's the voice of Sonic. Yeah. I gotta wonder what Ben Schwartz thinks of this. I looked on his Twitter. He has not said one thing, and it's hard because Sonic Two is the highest grossing video game movie of all time. Right. Sonic 1 used to be the highest grossing video game movie of all time. This his movie property is making hundreds of millions combined billions of dollars. You know, the third one's been greenlit. That is the one of the hugest properties Paramount has. He's got to be careful with what he says because this movie is making fun of that character right. and their attempt. I mean, when he was originally signed up to voice that character, he looked like Ugly Sonic. But he's a Disney guy, so you know he's watching this movie, and yeah. he, he has friends that are working on it, and you know he knows Akiva Schaffer. Like they're just all in the same, you know, comedy and Disney and all that. So I don't know. I I keep waiting for him to say something, but he doesn't, and that makes me think he's being really careful about it. You know, I yeah. you can't make fun of Sonic. He's making millions of dollars with Sonic. He yeah, make fun of it. He can't say, "Oh, that's great, ugly Sonic." Like he can't. He's Sonic. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a weird thing, and I, but I think that's hilarious. I think that is seriously. They're doing things that South Park does. Yeah. And this is Disney. I mean, South Park is South Park, but Disney is literally taking characters, including ones from South Park and making fun of them. Uh, Randy was in it. Um, Stan, Stan Marsh's dad in South Park was in it. Uh, but, but uh, DreamWorks, like you said, Seth Rogen has two characters. Uh, one is Kung Fu Panda. He plays a, like a grasshopper. Mantis. Yeah. Mantis. Yeah. Mantis. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, and then the other one is that uh, monsters, Bob monsters versus monsters versus aliens. Yeah. Monsters versus aliens. And so it's so funny. And then Beowulf, I don't remember if that was DreamWorks. It does look kind of like a, I think that was a motion capture thing. It is a motion capture, but that was the neck. So I think it was, I don't think it was, it was probably Sony image work. Or something. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So you've got, well, then you see Shrek. Yeah. Well, yeah, the body wash thing, the body which was a real truck. property. So yeah. you've got a lot of DreamWorks. And then that does beg the question, though. So you've got all these different properties in the movie, which to me, I think I, you know, no one's right now. I'm not saying no one likes these movies or anything. There are obviously lots of good characters from good movies in this. But who's talking about Beowulf? Who's talking about Monsters vs. Aliens? Now they are. Yeah. I mean, it's free advertising. You're, Disney Plus has hundreds of millions of subscribers and people are watching this and now they're seeing Shrek. They're seeing monsters vs. aliens. And they're like, I remember that movie. Let me go check that out. Maybe yeah. I'll go buy it. Maybe I'll rent it. I think it really is mutually beneficial to allow a studio like Disney to be able to poke fun at things and, ha- and use these characters. And they don't need to get paid for it because they're getting free advertisement and it's bringing awareness to them. I don't know. I, I think it's cool that it happened. I think a lot of it comes down to what the joke is, right? True. Like it, you know, it, and, because if if the joke is 
is too mean or mm-hmm. or or points out a flaw that feels a little too real. Like it, Sonic, it, it is going to damage it. But I I think the ugly Sonic thing, like the studio knows that that happened, and everybody yeah. knows that that's not what Sonic really ended up looking like. And and it, the fact that Ugly Sonic existed, I think, and I've always been of the mind, made that movie way more popular. And yeah, got it way more free advertising than it cool. ever would have. I think Sonic, and I love the first Sonic. I think it's great. It's a great video game adaptation a really fun movie i think it would have came and went sonic fans would have seen it and would have done okay yeah but that ugly sonic thing took over the internet yeah and so that gave them so much free publicity so you're right they know what happened everyone knows it but now they have a a billion dollar brand to protect so it's a balancing act and i i will love to learn more about it do you guys think because talking about the legalities and everything obviously when they made who Framed roger rabbit i think spielberg trying to maneuver and you know, getting all the characters to show up like that were licensed by different companies. There's a bunch of like wrangling that you had to do for that. But do you think talking about, it's kind of sparked something, talking about the humor here and especially mentioning that is this what it is? Everything's just nostalgia. Is it everybody just in on the joke? Because I, I know that, uh, you know, you guys talking about this, it's kind of a brazen for Disney to do all these, like especially how they melt down the Shrek shampoo plastic to make porta potties. Right. Like I thought that was like, whoa, like holy cow, that's that's a pretty deep dig. But do you think? But it's still because that's what Shrek is. It's just potty humor. But do you think it's just because all these people are like, well, that's what it is, and it's people are going to like it, and it's funny, and so we'll just we'll go along with the joke because everybody gets it. Do you guys think that that might have something to do with it? While everybody's going along with it. I think to some degree, I think also that these characters that have been created are have are so far removed from the people who created them at this point True. that you don't necessarily have people defending them in quite the same way that they would have. You know, like, I mean, even when Roger Roger came out, Roger Rabbit came out, there were still a lot of those creators were still alive. Yeah. Right. Where now they're they're not or it was created on behalf of a corporation and everybody everybody who created shrek knew what they were doing nobody like created shrek lovingly when they were 13 and had been drawing it for 20 years before it right. finally entered the mainstream it was like hey we're doing a thing and uh we need a we need a, a green we need a green monster for chris farley to play right you know and they shrek certainly and you know that one specifically is such a crass version of fairy tale humor right so if anyone's going to agree with it the shrek and, people and honestly if you're if you're one of the shrek creators like you don't get you don't have the right to bitch about people making fun of your character like if you that especially that first shrek movie all it did was stick a finger in the eye of disney yeah, i mean that right? was its whole purpose for existence every Every joke in that movie practically came back to <laughs> Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're if if for you then to turn around and go, wow, that's a bridge too far. Like, go clutch your pearls yeah. somewhere else. But like, but I don't think. But I don't think Shrek would. I think no. Too, I like to Darren's yeah. point. Like Shrek wouldn't be the one. But I if think, anything, it's a tacit admission of the power of Shrek. Yeah, definitely. That that now Disney is taking is making fun of the character that rose to power by making fun of Disney. Yeah. And so the the thing that I thought was really interesting with one of the interviews, I guess you could call it, uh, Akiva Schaffer was on, there's a podcast that I know a lot of people listen to called Comedy Bang Bang. And if you're a part of their, their Patreon type thing, which is their own deal, Comedy Bang Bang World, you get a different show. There's uh, different 
episode of a, of a new show that's exclusive every week. One of them is called Scott Hasn't Seen. And so Akiva was on the episode where they talked about The Emperor's New Groove, which is another great Disney movie that does not get enough credit. Yeah. That is such a funny, uh, irreverent, meta type of movie. And they, he was on that episode and he said, to get this movie greenlit, we came up with the idea. They gave us $250,000 to shoot some concepts and this and that. But he goes, this movie had to be approved by, at that time, Bob Iger. And he goes, not every movie has to go all the way up to get greenlit by Bob Iger. But this one is has to be handled so delicately around all the IP and everything right. that Iger himself had to approve it. I think, okay, that's cool. And clearly it did. And credit to Bob Iger because all the stuff you guys are saying, I agree with, with uh, you know, people need to understand that, you know, poking fun at them here and there, it really is good in the long run and, and not to take it too seriously. But studio executives, a bunch of old guys making decisions and on if, paper. And that... the, the thing is, too, is that like what you, you always have to look at something and go, well, what's what's the upside? Right. right. Like what's the upside if I if if I don't if I do this and and it doesn't work. Like everybody's going to scream. How could you have ever thought this was a good idea? Exactly. Right. And so, so it's the risk versus reward. Totally. Should so I green light if, this? if he just says no, and this never gets off the launching pad, nobody's ever going to write an article about no. that. It's just going to be like we had this crazy idea and it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And there's no story there. It's just yeah. another idea. So that, it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It does. It does take uh, some some balls to to green light a movie like this yeah. I, I will say back to roger rabbit like if you go back and rewatch roger rabbit because most of the the characters you get in there are are disney warner brothers right mm-hmm. like that was the the big the big crossover merger thing and they had film. to have equal screen yeah time. like if you watch that thing like you you can clock it i mean it's just like if donald duck's on screen for 40 seconds then daffy duck yeah. is on screen for 40 they seconds. had to neither one of them wanted to be the one that got less time so yeah. they had to have it exactly the same and and you're right so at least it was only two studios at that point but this one is a whole i i've never seen i think anything. they brought in some lesser like i sure i think like, betty boop betty there's boop, older so, ones yeah right. but but nothing of con but i mean no those offense, ones betty, could get to the right no offense betty boop fans but nothing <laughs> but, of <yeah>. consequence <laughs> but this one i've never seen anything like it the logistics yeah. of pulling in this many characters and again it's not just for the gags i know the movie heavily relies on them and that's what i was laughing at and i was shocked at how they got them in but again they're pulling in all these different types and they're being clever they're not just putting them on screen and then showing them and taking them away like they have purpose they have like the gumby so there's a cop uh, police captain or detective played voiced by jk simmons who's great and he keeps like things he's he's claymation and so he keeps either sitting on different characters yeah. or gum gets stuck <laughs> to him and and he has to pull it off or whatever so they use all these different animation styles and then if they were in the real world how would that work how would you have different interactions between humans between other cartoons like we mentioned they took flounder and they literally took a pencil and erased his mouth and yeah. drew him so the uh the animated character like the 2d animation ones they could edit more freely and easier. Um, so I think a lot of care went into how will these different forms of animation be uh, interact with the world. Uh, when you talk about c- CG, Pixar, there was a lot of Pixar stuff. Uh, there were cars like with the big eyes mm-hmm. that would look like the movie cars yeah. around the world. They showed regular cars driving. They showed cartoon cars, Roger Rabbit style car right in the beginning of the movie when uh, Chip is going to school. And then you get the CG cars and, and how they all interact with each other. Um, 
And then even the cartoon characters, some interact with live action stuff, how uh, Dale is driving around with Chip and they're both in the car and they've got the seat like retrofitted so that little cartoon characters can drive it. And there's a big pole that goes down to the gas and a steering wheel extension. And uh, Chip is like, you know, you can just drive a, a cartoon car or whatever. And he's like, no, these are cool. And so they showed them interacting with the real life stuff and how that works. And I don't know the way it all meshed together to me. I was watching people that love animation like I do. Like I love all these different forms of animation. And these were people that clearly cared about the art and they put it in there because they love these characters. They're not mean spirited. This was not a making fun of, you know, the Sonic thing was maybe the meanest, but like you said, everyone knows about it. Right. We can all laugh about it now. No one's saying like Sonic sucks. What a dumb character. They're like, yeah, can you believe like this was what they came up with? Like we're all laughing about it. And they, they, they actually, if if anything, you end up you it end up, it ends up kind of humanizing Ugly Sonic, right? Yeah. Because it's like in this world, it was like it was an actor that like lost a role, right? Yeah, yeah, and he that, was almost a thing. Like he's Eric Stoltz <laughs> from Back to the Future. He is. Oh, that's a great. Oh in fact, my that's gosh. who they should have had voice it. Oh, well, but it's Tim Robinson. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do, do you watch? Uh, I think you should leave on Netflix. I have not. It's crazy. Do you, Darren? No. no. Okay. Tim Robinson's a comedian and he's, he does a sketch show. I think you should leave on Netflix. It just got renewed for, I think a third season. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like when we're saying, I can't believe they let these Disney characters do all this stuff with SIP. You watch that show and you're like, I can't believe they let the, him do some of this stuff. It's, it's a irreverent crass sketch show. Yeah. It's hilarious. But anyway, that's Tim Robinson. But I really like that too, Tom, when we're talking about clever ideas about taking rescue Rangers and they're actually actors and everything. It's not like Sonic, like in our world, they animated Sonic really weird, and you think, how did anyone approve this? Right. Why did this? Why was this the thing? In their world, they hired an actor who was their words, not mine, ugly. Right. And then they fired him for being ugly, and he is now doing the Comic Con circuit. And you see, he's doing video games. He's he's posing like Burt Reynolds in one thing. He's doing a black and white movie. He's got all his headshots like that you would sign at a Comic Con, and it's him, the ugly Sonic. So like, he is a working actor. Yeah. And I thought that was so funny because I would have never thought of that in, you know, in our real world. I never would have thought that Ugly Sonic was like a guy that got fired. Right. We're like, yeah, they changed the animation. But it's so funny that in this world, just like a Roger Rabbit, tunes are beings. They're tunes. And so, yeah, that guy got fired. So it's sad. And uh, uh, Ugly Sonic ends up getting his kind of redemption, though. He he ends up working for the FBI because I think he's doing like a Steven Seagal type thing. You know how he was a Texas Ranger oh, or whatever. Okay, yeah. and went around at, at the end of the movie. He's working with the actual FBI because I think they're doing a show. Yeah. Where Ugly Sonic is, is yeah part of the FBI. And it's <laughs> so- funny. I was the Ugly Sonic thing makes me think of uh, there's an actress uh, who's known as Fake Jan. And she and so on the Brady Bunch and she does the con circuit and I'm just like I'm always kind of like somebody would really care enough. But the Brady Bunch, when they're after it got canceled, they they brought it back as a variety show at the Brady Bunch uh, variety hour. And it I don't was remember like, that one. Yeah, I know no, the show. It, yeah, I mean it. It's it lasted for like half a season, and it was when variety shows were really huge, and they got everybody back except Jan, and so they just okay. recast her, and so. Oh, it's a Fresh Prince situation. Yeah, and so so they 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 she everybody re- ended up referring to her as Fake Jan, wow. and so um. And, and so she still goes to comic book conventions yeah. or celebrity autograph type conventions. Yeah, she was part she, of that. And positions herself as fake Jan. Like she, she, acts, she, she, 
Yeah. Oh, she owns it. She okay. owns it. She's fake Jan. It's in the same way that like if you Gilligan's Island had all the uh, that like because they couldn't get uh, 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 Tina whatever I'm blanking on her last name to come back and play G- Ginger. Oh right. And so they had all these fake Gingers. Mm. They could never get Ginger back. They really so. were the rest. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if she wasn't the rest, the rest was Professor. And no, Marianne. no, I know, but yeah, the, the fake ones but, really were. But the yeah, rest. so they always they always recasted her. Yeah. So, oh yeah. my gosh. So yeah, I I think it was really loving. Um, now as far as the dynamic between the two actors, so I think in this movie. John Mulaney is Chip. Andy Samberg is Dale. I think John Mulaney's playing John Mulaney. I think Andy Samberg's playing Andy Samberg. Yeah. If you like those two actors, which you do, so I, I obviously I just did not. Under- I just did not think Mulaney was very good. I just I, I, I really liked them yeah. together. I thought they did a great job. Like I mean, Mulaney's playing the straight man against Dale is supposed to be this really goofy, like always causing trouble, and he was the 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 punchline. He was yeah. a punching bag on the show. Their version of our Rescue Rangers. And, uh, you know, John Mulaney is the guy that is wearing suits and, you know, in his real yeah. life stand up and everything. So he's playing that kind of like tight, clenched straight man in this movie. And, you know, I think one of the things and I'm just now connecting that, that irritates yeah. me about that is if you know anything about classic comedy mm-hmm. teams, duos, yeah. the dumb one was almost always the smart one off screen. Ah. So like. Uh, you know, Costello was the brains of Abbott and Costello, and and Jerry Lewis was the brains of Martin and Lewis, mm-hmm. and and played the dumb character. You know, they yeah. would play the dumb one on stage, but behind the scenes, they were the ones that really understood the business and really understood the dynamic. And and the straight man was just kind of along for the ride. So to your point earlier, with them being characters, like. It, it would have really been a nice homage to those kind of duos and yeah. had, had uh, Dale actually have been smart. Like, I'm not the, the goofy one, like yeah. right? Like, it's like I... And like, now I have to live up. And, Everyone in real life thinks I'm an idiot. Right. And I'm, ah, that's yeah. a, that would have been a neat characterization for the Somebody movie. Somebody on Twitter made the connection. There's a movie from 1988 called Without a Clue. It's a, with uh, Ben Kingsley and Michael Caine. No, and how they twisted it. Like, Sherlock Holmes is the smart guy, but they made Michael Caine like the idiot. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Watson, the smart guy. So that was oh, that's a good yeah. clever connection. OK, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. So, yeah, I can see that. I again, I, I enjoyed it, but I think that would have been an interesting way to add a little bit more depth to the character. Right. Him trying to get out from under the shadow. So he wants to leave Rescue Rangers and do real work or theater or right. something and, and get it out from under that. That would have been interesting. But yeah, um, but tons of gags like there's uh, if you guys want to, because we can't, I'm sure, remember them or even have time to list them. But uh, a friend online, David Lee, he has a YouTube channel, David Lee Down Under. He's in Australia and uh, he has a YouTube video with like I think he lists you know, 300 or whatever Easter eggs in Chippendale. It's a 30 minute video. But if, if you want to go through yeah, and that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's he how made, do you assemble them so quickly? <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I mean, I think he got the advanced review copy and was taking notes or whatever. Yeah, he turned cool. around quick, but go watch that video. I was um, this morning when I was getting ready. I, I had it on and just to refresh myself on all of them. And he caught so much stuff. I mean, I didn't see half of the stuff that he sat there and studied. And so this is going to be a movie that I think is going to be really fun. I think we said the same thing about Ready Player One because there's so yeah. many different Easter eggs in that. It's an Easter egg movie, much right. like this one. And that's going to be one that will be really fun to go back and pause each scene and see what they did. Because I think that also is what helps me appreciate this movie more is knowing how much care went into it and the rewatchability of catching those things. Yeah. You know, you looked at the left side of the screen the first time you watched it. Now you know what the character is doing. You're looking at the right and there's 20 more people. 
they go to a Comic-Con convention, like we mentioned, the beginning of the movie. We see Ugly Sonic. We see Tigra. Uh, we see – who are the other – con? oh, the, the, uh, Paul Rudd's in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Paul Rudd. As Ant-Man. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. like, originally, Ant-Man was supposed to be Ant-Man. And then you see at the end of the movie all the movie covers and posters. Yeah. And you see like this Paul Rudd with all these old ladies around him. And Ant-Man is a huge hit. <laughs> so like they got people like that in it. Um, and then, you know, the voices, Seth Rogen plays yeah. all those characters. He plays the Beowulf one and the other characters we mentioned eric banna plays monterey jack the the guy from rescue rangers that gets kidnapped will arnett is sweet pete who's peter pan they call yeah. him sweet pete in the movie um let's see oh dennis haysbert is zipper who you know uh, the guy from 24 you know, yeah. President palmer right from 20 yeah and he was also on the unit the unit and Allstate on all state commercials yeah. and he almost always does a uh uh the candlelight processional at Disney World. They have oh, celebrities yeah. come in and, and do readings. Yeah. And uh Neil Patrick Harris does it oh. a lot. Whoopi Goldberg does it a lot and Dennis Haysbert is that's who I saw do it the one sure. year. Sure. Neil Patrick Harris is in some hot water. Yeah. You can't seem to get out from under that cake thing from ten years ago. I know, ago. right? I'm like, it was eleven years ago. That's like, the bad thing about the internet is you get like a whole ten years ago, now you have, you know, babies back then are now teenagers on the internet right. and they're like oh how could this whatever it's like i get it's bad but it's like we've been through this yeah it's like it, everybody was trying to out edge the, yeah. the next guy and it's like yeah. and now we look back and we're like yeah that probably wasn't cool yeah, but no like, one he doesn't no one thinks that yeah. was good but anyway yeah so uh <laughs> but you've got yeah uh, jk simmons like we said um akiva Schaffer actually does a lot of voices and i liked did you see when they were filming rescue rangers and they cut the last episode that was akiva in the director's chair uh, oh, so I, was I, was kinda, I was gonna ask that yeah yeah, that was him. So the director actually was the director of those episodes. Um, oh, Rachel Bloom was in this movie? I didn't oh, she that. was? Yeah. I love Rachel Bloom. Rachel I think she Bloom. voiced Flounder. I was reading something. Yeah, she voiced Flounder. Oh, okay. Uh, she voiced Chip's mom. Uh, <laughs> the Stinson's boy. So the Simpsons. You know, I'm a Simpsons guy. Yeah. <laughs> they did the off-brand Simpsons. The the bootleg one. is Again, that's another show. very, like, that was a biting because Disney owns Simpsons now, right? And yeah. also, they don't have those original shorts on. So I thought that was that was kind of a funny like kickback to the old cruddy animation. I, I yeah, that's the thing that I really like with this movie is that not only are they actually doing a commentary and a satire and all these different brand, brands of animation. Yeah, they can get the rights to some of these because they own them, but also they own them. Like, they're going to be protective of anyone right. else, and they let them actually poke fun. And that might be how they got some of these other ones on board. If they, like, were, we're... if they were like, look what we're doing to Peter Pan, look what we're doing to Flounder. Like, we're, we're, yeah. it's, it's not everybody else is the butt of the joke, but not Disney. Everyone's the butt of the joke. And that, I think, there's is... no Mickey, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can't do that. Iger was like smart enough to say, we don't mess you with You didn't see any of, at least not that I noticed, you, no. know, you don't see any of the uh, the Fab Five. There might have been like a hat or something, you know, but there, you don't see the Frankenstein yeah. of them. You're right. And I, I think that was a conscious decision. You know, they were, must have been off limits. Uh, but the Simpsons, Darren, I'm glad you mentioned that's really funny. The bootleg Simpsons almost looked like the Tracy Ullman version yeah. of the Simpsons. So that was a But really also, funny. like, if, you know, if you, if you're old enough to remember the Simpsons when they first hit and were peaking, like there was bootleg Simpsons stuff. Oh, the merch, like Rumba shirts. And yeah, stuff. there yeah. was Don't so much bootleg Simpsons stuff. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, it you couldn't. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and uh, oh, and other claymation stuff. Uh, Rachel Bloom also voiced the insurance sheep, 
who was clearly like one of those Wallace and Gromit type sheep. Yeah. Right. So you get the claymation, stop motion, all that stuff that we mentioned. Really good uh, homage. Jim Cummings, who was the voice of Winnie the Pooh, actually yeah. did the voice of Pooh. Uh, Fat Cat. Is that the bad guy, Fat Cat? Or Yeah, that's him. Okay, so that's Jim Cummings. And then uh, Darkwing Duck at the end, if you stayed the, all the funny credits and yeah. everything, uh, Darkwing Duck is at the cons and like, don't you want me? You want more of me. And they're actually working on a Darkwing Duck reboot. So that is kind of coming. Yeah. I think that was a little wink and a nod like, hey, don't. It's kind of Jim coming. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Um, oh, Chris Parnell plays the what kind of seemed like a made-up agent, Dave Bolinari. Yeah. Dale kept saying, oh, it's my agent. And then he'd be like, okay, mom, I'll be home for dinner soon. And at the end, Dave Bolinari, after I think this said eight years or whatever, actually calls and is like, oh, yeah, I, I got busy. <laughs> I think like, that's him at like, the beginning, too, when they're uh, Chip and is or Dale is talking about their history and they're on the phone and somebody says, how about we give you your own show? I think that. that oh, did Dave Bolinari actually call him the beginning? Okay. I think so. I, I think, okay. Yeah, because Chris Parnell, you see him like because I oh. because I was just like, one, he's looking older. Uh, <laughs> two, I was just like, oh, he was in the first uh, Lonely Island he's, video to break out. Yeah. Like he was in Lazy Sunday. Lazy Sunday. <laughs> that uh, that was the first viral video from on SNL. YouTube. No, on YouTube, I think that was the first viral video, like what they consider. Really? There's been other, there were other big videos before that. Because they brought in the Lonely Island guys because SNL was like, oh, crap, we're not creating viral content. Right. And so, but that was SNL's first, like, breakout viral. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying the first YouTube video, but I was pretty sure Lazy Sunday was like in the history books, like what they consider with hitting a certain hundreds of millions or whatever. But anyway, but you're right. That's a really nice touch uh, with SNL and Lonely Island connection there. But yeah, so you've got tons of people. Um, Oh, Yorma, who's the third Lonely Island, he is in this movie. So it is... All the Lonely Island people yeah. are in. Um, he, he plays he Batman. Plays, doesn't, he? doesn't he voice Batman? Yeah. So that was one of the gags that made me laugh out loud, too. I could not believe it. The, they did the Martha thing. But yeah. it was E.T. versus Batman. So they even made fun of E.T. Well, that's <laughs> that's funny, too, because it's Larry Fong during the cinematography. He did the I, cinematography for Batman versus Superman. So right? It looks it's similar. <laughs> it's so self-referential. I love that. Yeah, they did. It's definitely the BVS look to this little movie within a movie. And then E.T. is just like, you know, let's be friends or whatever. I can't remember the quote. I and then Batman that, like, is what he says. Oh, yeah. He says, forgive. Yeah. And Batman just looks at him. He goes, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because, so, you know, I mean, they're playing, making fun of the whole Martha thing and all that. I, I think it's great. This movie has so many references, but the, the balance they strike. And speaking of DreamWorks, I really think they did a great job where kids are watching this movie. There's a lot of cartoons. There's a lot of action and, and fun things to look at. And then for the adults, like Shrek did, right? Yeah. There's all the stuff that went over their head. There's a lot of ballsy stuff other than just the IP in this movie. So um, Monty is basically like a drug addict with yeah, cheese. Yeah, he's addicted to cheese. So they made it so that yeah. stinky cheese is like Organzola. doing drugs. Yeah, and he couldn't, he couldn't get off the stuff. And he was going, oh, Main Street? That was another one that had me laughing out loud. I mean, Main Street, which was clearly like the Disney World Main right. Street. Right. I mean, they go to Main Street and they point out and they go, yeah, this whole place, like they don't show the gate to the Disney World or the castle, but it's, it's Main Street. It's Main Street. It is yeah. Main Street. And they go, this is just a cover up for illicit operations. Like they're like, that person <laughs> does so and so. This person is, I mean, the fact that they just went to Main Street right out of Disney World and pointed out how all these people are criminals. Yeah. That is gutsy. 
That is seriously. I Disney's never done this with their own IP. Um, I really thought that was a funny moment. Oh, and uh, Muppets. That's the other one. I was trying to think of all the different animation and styles they goofed on. Muppet fights. That was what it was. One yeah. of the one of the covers at Main Street, like the kid selling balloons or something. He goes Muppet fights, <laughs> and they go to the Muppet who's running the like the butcher or the cheese shop. Bjornsson, the uh, cheesemonger. Right? Bjornsson, yeah. Was, he, like was looked... he CGI or was he an actual Muppet? I couldn't tell, like because the CGI was so good. I think he was live was. action. So this movie, I think they filmed they said like 23 days of the live action stuff. And the rest, uh, during the pandemic, you know, the great thing was once they had all the live action, everyone could work from home. Akiva and his editor, they um, they were able to set up shop and uh, production. and every, I mean, like Disney was like, okay, you can't come into the office or whatever. And they're like, we've got everything we need. Let's keep working on this movie. Yeah. And so they were like, I mean, because they're bored. They want to work on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were able to, to go and the animation stuff had been done. They had the live action. So they kept editing it and they uh, they did a lot of live action hybrid stuff. And I think the Muppets were one of them. Anytime you see a Muppet, I think that's actually puppetry. And I really like the design of that guy. He looked a lot like a, you know, Muppet type, a Sesame Street type. And I like how he had the eyebrow. He looked all friendly. And, and mm-hmm. they're like, we're looking for stinky cheese. And the eyebrow caves down. <laughs> in it. Like he immediately becomes an evil character. Yeah. Are you cops? <laughs> no. Um, and then you see it's like it's an opium den. Is, is what yeah. the, the cheese is. You see all these rats and mice that are eating cheese. And <laughs> one's feeding, there's like someone feeding a mouse and they're like, more, more. Uh, and the other person is following the uh, the trail, the stink trail and the lines and like lifting a, a lot of really funny stuff. But that's, adults are the only ones that are going to get that. You know, the kids aren't going, oh, an opium den, right? So I think. <laughs> I think my kids would have known about well, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they are in their select- 40s, right, Tom? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's what's great is that this is the type of movie where the kids have a lot to enjoy, the adults have a lot to appreciate, and certainly the references with stuff they grew up to. But it's not a movie where you're going to have to answer a bunch of questions. Yeah. So if you have young kids, that stuff, like the, I say opium den, they never say that, but we know what they're kind of simulating. Um, Kids are never going to have to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, are they there doing illegal drugs? Like. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, mice like cheese, and they're following the stink. It's funny, right. right? So I think they did a really good job, the writers and, and Akiva, with balancing things so that it's good for kids. This is very much a movie kids can watch without a lot of questions. Um, but adults are going to be there, just like with Shrek. I cannot believe they said some of this yeah. stuff in a kid's movie. And so I really enjoyed it. I, I hope, my my main takeaway from this movie and hope is that Disney sees this, sees the attention it's getting online, and they let them start taking more risks. And it's not like saying everything that happens in this movie is canon, right? It's right. not like it's not like Peter Pan now is the right. evil. Yeah, they can take their IP and they can goof on it, and it can exist in its own world off to the side, and they never have to address it, and they can still make a Peter Pan movie or whatever. I I hope that they let them take some of the, their IP and, and do more stuff like this, and let them live on their own, like a one shot kind of comic. Yeah. Uh, because there's so many fun stories to tell that we don't really get adult Disney stories and they could do it with this, yeah. you know, and kind of reminds me of like WB with their Harley Quinn show, which is like a very crude, very adult show. Right. But it's like, you still have Harley Quinn in the animated series who isn't as bad. Like, you know what I mean? You can take a character and turn them. I feel like the, who's kind of led the way with this sort of stuff is Archie comics. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like if you look at Archie comics, a lot of what they do these days is the reimagining of the, the Archie characters and they'll, and they'll take them and they're like, what if they were in space or what Mm. if they were pirates or like they, they really like to, to use the, 
the uh, the the template of Archie. Yeah. But but plug it into different genres and play with it. And it doesn't have to affect regular Archie. Yeah. They're not like going back and looking like, oh my God, they were really right. they're bank still robbers and that. They're still putting out the other stuff too, yeah. but they but they like to play with it a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. smart. That's I, I, I really hope Disney takes note of that. And this movie, I you know, it's hard because it's streaming, right? So we don't have box office right. numbers. They didn't do the dual release. They're only internally going to know with their streams. But if it's based on the internet and the people talking and sharing the stuff, whether it was Twitter or Facebook, I saw people posting ugly Sonic all over, which, you know, part of me is like, God, I wish they could just wait because it's a funny gag. Yeah. But this day and age with people in their limited attention spans, I guess I'm the outlier there. I guess you do need people posting ugly Sonic. Or else to, how do to, you... to pull them in that wouldn't yeah. have watched a Chippendale yeah. movie otherwise. You know? Right. Exactly. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. Uh, I, I think it was funny. Um, I, I appreciate the references and maybe we'll get some more from this team. Yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. I just thought it could have been, if if it had been funnier, it yeah. I, it would have really leveled it up. Yeah, I think the the gags were the funny, right? Like so, and Andy Samberg just. It's funny because I kind of criticized some other movies on people just being themselves and not having actual jokes, right? And in this movie, because I love Andy Samberg, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I enjoy John Mulaney. Like them just doing what they do to me was funny and yeah. without actually saying jokes, but. I get what you mean. Yeah. They just should have punched it up. Yeah. Darren, uh, I know that you kind of went into this not really knowing what to expect, and I told you to watch it. It's real funny, and and you kind of watched it and came on last minute. But did it did it meet your expectations, or what were you kind of thinking as you watched this thing? Well, a couple of thoughts. is I, I like what you said about it being the successor to Roger Rabbit, because if you're thinking about other live-action animated hybrids like Mary Poppins or Bedknobs and Broomsticks or uh, Cool World or whatever the Bakshi movie is, they don't really do the same Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing where the, uh, the cartoon characters are actual actors. And so that, that really, as, as a successor to Roger Rabbit, that makes sense. If, if you're, a lot of people are comparing it to Roger Rabbit. And I think as far as that goes, that's probably as deep as the comparison as I would make it because Roger Rabbit's obviously a game changer. It's one of my favorite movies. The thing with that movie is they started it. Obviously they had the idea that they wanted to do the animation and mix everything. And there's the groundbreaking animation that Zemeckis looked at and said, oh, I can't do 3D turns on these characters. I can't do rack focuses. I'm going to do it because I'm Robert Zemeckis. You know, that kind of (laughs) groundbreaking stuff. But what they did with Roger Rabbit that I'm impressed with is they started it as, and they really paid attention to it as a, like a Raymond Chandler-esque mystery. And they made that the focal point. So as a screenplay, it's beautifully structured. You could have made this in the 30s or 40s had Howard Hawks do it. And it would have worked as a mystery, as a film noir. But then you added all the cartoon stuff, and that kind of brought it to the next level. So I don't think Chippendale reaches that level, because it's not, like I was mentioning, the plot's just kind of threadbare to kind of hang all these jokes on. Whereas Roger Rabbit is a full-on, like, film noir. The the mystery works. Yeah, it it works beautifully, and it just has all these other gags to hang it on and so I, I think it is a successor but it doesn't quite reach the levels of that because they're more interested in the jokes than telling a call and the story's fine i mean it's it's, it's just very predictable you know how they're going to get back together chip it's it's yeah. you know you're going to see chip kind of his uh, cynicism is going to melt away and they're going to like have fun and they're going to kind of recapture that old magic um, it's kind of a gag delivery vehicle yeah, i mean sure. and it, it, they, they don't re reinvent the wheel with it so i right. completely agree that's the point the thing that I thought was really interesting, and you're seeing it get a lot of play negatively, is you know you go back to the Bobby Driscoll story, um, voicing Peter Pan, and how yeah. 
the child star and he broke out and he won, in 1950, he won like an Academy Award, like Juvenile Award for uh, a couple of movies, uh, The Window or something like that. And then his star faded. Like, I think when Howard Hawks took over RKO, which basically meant that he took over Disney, he ousted Bobby Driscoll, didn't like child actors, kind of kicked him out. And so Driscoll, he moved out at 16, went to New York, tried to be an actor and then didn't really go anywhere, came back and got caught up in drugs and became friends with Andy Warhol, kind of like a side so attractive because Warhol liked that kind of stuff. But, and then he ended up like two kids found him in an abandoned apartment building. Like he was in a, like a hammock and he was surrounded by beer bottles and he'd done so much heroin that his, his arteries just hardened up and he died from that. Just, I thought it was interesting and I didn't expect it at all from this movie is how they brought up, look, when you're a Disney star, especially because Chip and Dale, that's the whole point, you know, when uh, Dale tries to do the, um, uh, is it Dale or is it Chip that tries to break away and he does the, it's double O Dale. So it's Dale that does it. And, and Chip is like, you do this, they're going to cancel us. And that's what happens in their star. And like, obviously Chip goes and becomes an insurance uh, agent, stuff like that. But the fact that they make the point about how Disney stars, and, and again, it's because they're cartoons that I don't think it hits as hard. Disney stars are burning so bright that when they outlive their usefulness, they cut off and they become like has-beens or, you know, the bootleg. He becomes a bootleg. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. You're right. The story, not just with Peter Pan, but was it Snow White? They like blacklisted her. You know that story between the voice actor of Snow White? No, I, I don't. Disney did not want any actors associated with their animation back in the early days. So it was just like, you weren't famous for voicing Snow White. You made very, very minimal amount of money. You couldn't go out and like say that you were the voice of Snow White and all this. And so she was like, kind of paid a minimal amount. I think had a non-compete couldn't go out and really market whatever and so like they were making all this money and it was so famous right it's a huge story and so i think that what darren's touching on is that story and the peter pan and all these but they're doing it from the perspective of being a an animated character and especially a child animated actor and what happens when you're an adult yeah and outgrow that but there's a lot of parallels in the real world and especially revolving around disney so it is poignant and that's the stuff that i couldn't believe that they had this you know I think again because it's a cartoon, they're able to kind of dive deep into that stuff without it being too dark. Yeah, but that the way that they did that obviously had like the the in the Uncanny Valley, which I thought was really clever. How they yeah. have all like where they meet the Daredevil Seth Rogen character, which they, is like nice you know, homage to to uh, Zemeckis, you know, because he's yeah. it's very much like the Polar Express eyes. Do they even call him Polar they Express do. eyes? They do. They say he's they got Polar Express eyes. So that's yeah. Zemeckis, who friend Roger Rabbit. Nice callback. Yeah. Yeah. So having the cat's character show up and doing the Shrek thing, where you literally see the Shrek face melt, you know, yeah. again it. Cuts and it turns him into porta potty. Yeah, and stuff cats. Like that. The musical cats yeah. were. Yeah, in that there. was yeah. a good one. Another one we didn't mention uh, is the uh, Paula Abdul and MC Scat. Yeah, Cat. from the music right. video. Yeah. yeah, very clever. So a lot of like me laughing at it was pointing. Like my wife and my daughter were like, we were just having fun watching you point at the screen and laugh. Like when you see Blaster <laughs> from Transformers show up at the beginning. Yeah, like, I'm a Transformers guy. Yeah, yeah. I especially laughed during the Seth Rogen part where Mantis and Bob come yeah. in and they're just they're all doing the laugh. The laugh. And I, yeah. I laughed so hard. I just thought it was interesting that I laughed more and I enjoyed the in-jokes more, which I complain about on Twitter. <laughs> I complained just recently, like, how they have, like, uh, the Captain Carter character in Multiverse say, I could do this all day, or how they have uh, Norman Osborn say, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Or I think there's even a rumor that Michael Keaton in the new Flash movie says, do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Right. I, I wrote, it's like, is this what, it, like, why are we quoting, like, literal dialogue from other movies? And so I, I complain about that. But then I'm a giant <laughs> raging hypocrite because of stuff like Seth Rogen. <laughs> 
I got a big kick out of that stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's like the balance that they're trying to do. It's I, the screenwriting like, equivalent of a dick joke. Like yeah. dick jokes are lazy, but that doesn't mean some of them aren't funny. There can yeah, be yeah. really smart dick jokes, but more <laughs> often than not, a dick joke is just laugh because I'm, I, I said dick or poop humor. Yeah. yeah, it's that. It's like you know farting. If it's part of the script in a way to where it's some kind of clever callback, and I can't think off the top of my head, but if it's just a character for twenty seconds farting, funny poop joke. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. That's right. What was it? I where, remember where the monkeys eating the chocolate ice cream, and they're like, "That's not chocolate ice cream." <laughs> 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 and I was like, I was, I even at the time, because my kids were even like, "Oh my god, Dad laughed at an actual poop joke," right. and I was like, "Well, that one was funny because it's more yeah, than just like a, it's, a, a fart for twenty seconds." Where you're like, "Yeah, hey, that's not funny." Any character can make a fart noise, right? And it's like, yeah, kids laugh at it because they're kids, but that's stupid. It's not, right. a, yeah. When you make it part of the script, so I think it is the balance, like you said, Darren. Again, it, it it also comes to the dedication and the heart that goes into it. And these people love animation. And so yeah. you're not doing it. It's different when you say, hey, we own these IP, put them in our movie, figure out how to use them, go. When this movie is like, hey, let's write a movie about all the characters we love and let's make it work in the yeah. story. And com- the Comic-Con through line was a huge way to connect them all. Why would all these characters be together? Comic-Con. Yeah. You know? But overall, I mean, it's a cute movie. It's on st- streaming if you have Disney Plus, and yeah. statistically speaking, you probably you do. do. <laughs> it's it, it's definitely worth your time. I, I watched it a second time in preparation. I loved it even more yeah. the second time. So I think I think it's one that will grow on repeat viewings. Yeah. So, uh, well, anyway, I guess uh, that's it for this one. Uh, we'll go around the abbreviated table, and people can say where to find them. Sure. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett, and also listen to the other podcast I do, The Games We Love, uh, where we just talk about uh, different current video games and also some nostalgic ones. And uh, Darren, Darren, where can they find you? On Twitter, you can find me at uh, D.W. Lundberg. Uh, again, that's Nostalgia Cast is my handle there. But um, yeah, we just talk about movies and like Kevin was talking about. And Kevin, you guessed it on our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. You uh, invited yourself on with it like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figured I had to pay you back and get, get you on our show. <laughs> yeah, so that was great. Like I love, you know, a lot of times I keep talking to my wife about when I started Nostalgia Cast, and we're obviously not the greatest and most popular thing, but all the guests that we have, I can't believe that we've had on so many people. And Kevin was one of those who's like, I would, I dreamed about having him on because obviously we chatted about, and then you, you come in on and saying, well, could I come on and do Ninja Turtles? It's not like I'm going to go, well, I have to invite you, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> I, I love that. So we're able to have conversations. So yeah, a bunch of episodes. Um, love to have Tom on at some time, sometime. Sure. Um, but Give me yeah. a title. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if you do a lot of uh, podcast appearances because I know Kevin does a lot of those. Yeah, I don't. I I don't tend to get asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're going to get asked this next uh, when we start up. But yeah, you can find me on the at DW Lemberg, and I like Kevin says I'm angry a lot of the time, so it's just me complaining. But I'll turn around and, and like well, phrase well, something that I. In that I case, we'll either get along really well or really poorly. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm working. I'm working on melting his heart of ice. So we'll see how it goes. Which one of us? Well, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, oh, good and, luck. Good yeah, no kidding. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at, uh, facebook.com slash real spoilers. And of course, don't forget our Patreon. So, uh, anyway, that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Doom is a tune. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice because we already warned you.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.